This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Went to Madison High School, like the Alcacaca, Bernie, uh, the Bernie Sanders. And the only good thing about that is our own cousin Bruce, went to Madison High School. That offsets that. And listen, listen to his excuse for allowing so many people illegally to bum rush our border. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. You schmendrick. And then when all of a sudden he speaks at a conference about global warming and climate change, he says there are too many people on this planet. We now have an 8 billion person population on the globe. So we got we to gotta somehow do something about population control. Maybe use the red Chinese method they used to use, which is one child per family or else off with your head. And then all of a sudden he say, we let the illegal aliens dribble a soccer ball across the border. First, we see if they're good enough to make the U.S. national team because the U.S. national team sucks. They're going to get killed by England and Qatar today. And maybe if they're good enough, they dribble, they pass, they, 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 they go, goal, goal, score, score. We put them on the U.S. national team. Other than that, the reason we need them is we're not procreating and fornicating enough. We have population depletion. We have 385 million people in America. That's a hell of a lot of people. What does he want, more? So between more fornication and compilation, more parents having babies, more babies out of wedlock because there's a growing number of babies born out of wedlock in not just the black and the Hispanic communities, but increasingly in the white community. What the hell is he talking about? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's live and local talk radio. You move to the other stations. You hear best of, which is really worst of, or you hear infomercials, or you hear substitutes who haven't even gotten a graduation certificate from the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. No, we're number one for a reason. We're prime time, and we're going to stay number one as the number one news talk station in the nation, WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
such a great song. For so many years, the illegal immigration train would come right through Los Angeles, the city of angels. If you go there now, the population is predominantly illegal aliens. Illegal aliens, right out of three and a half million people. You say to yourself, how can that be, Curtis? I know I've been there with the guardian angels in MacArthur Park downtown in the ramparts, which is run by MS-13 from El Salvador. I've been in many of the areas. They got a place in East L.A. called Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn Avenue. It's run by 18th Street, the Mexican gang. Los Angeles is filled with illegals, and that's because pretty boy Gus Newsom and his predecessors, uh, Moonbeam, Governor Brown, had no restrictions on immigration whatsoever. And they've gotten flooded. And as a result, look how many people have moved out of California. They're moving out at a faster rate out of California into nearby states than people are moving out of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania for Florida. Just look at it. I battled MS-13 in the 80s. I saw a guardian angel get his throat slit, and we were lucky to keep him alive as we gave that MS-13 gangbanger a therapeutic back massage only to watch him get turned loose back into the streets four hours later by the LAPD because of the mayor who said, what? We're a sanctuary city. We don't ask them for any papers. Gee, that's exactly what happens here. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, demonizes ICE. The hero men and women of immigration and naturalization who put on bulletproof vests every day. They get retainers for some of the illegal aliens who were criminals in their country of origin and never stood for charges as they ran north across the border or, while staying here illegally, committed very serious crimes. Sex trafficking, narco-terrorism, gang-banging, theft, home invasions. And they get demonized. And then Eric Adams, the swagger man, says, don't cooperate with ICE. And then he complains at Abbott not, not communicating with him when he sends buses north from the border in Eagle Pass. Can't have it both ways. Can't have it both ways. But New York has created ourselves as the sanctuary for the illegal aliens between what Chuck Schumer has said and what Eric Adams is doing and what the President of the United States is not doing. And then Eric Adams, why would you call yourself the Biden of Brooklyn? You you shouldn't have anything to do with the guy. You won't even fund this illegal alien invasion. Not a nickel, diamond, penny into New York City. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to the phones. It's Eric who's calling from the village. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Eric. Let's go to Teddy and Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Teddy. Uh, good morning, Curtis. Curtis, I know that what we're dealing with with the migrants, it seems insurmountable. But what would be your plan? Well, we have a junior senator who uh, barely was heard early on in this crisis, Gillibrand. It's almost like she disappeared off the radar screen. She actually came up with a pretty good idea. She said, look, if we're going to accept these illegal aliens because we're a sanctuary city, New York City, and we have other sanctuary cities throughout the state and we're a sanctuary state, let's move them upstate where people have evacuated, where there are no people. And let's colonize some of those cities where you can roll the sagebrush through. Now, although obviously I don't want illegals here, I want legal immigrants Let's face it, on a temporary basis, 
Let's at least do that instead of overloading New York City that cannot afford this. You have them upstate. There's room. There's work that they can do. There's obviously farm work that they can do. They can work in the dairy industry. They can work the vineyards for the New York State uh, wineries. I mean, that's what I would do in the interim, Teddy. Even briefly, Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, the governor, said she agreed with that. And then all of a sudden, you haven't heard Gillibrand since. You haven't heard uh, Kathy Crimewave Holcomb since. At least it would relieve the pressure that's on us here in New York City, Ted. Then why doesn't Mayor Adams try to attempt to do this? Because somehow he thinks ultimately if he doesn't blink, if he doesn't criticize Biden or Harris or Mayorkas, that eventually Chuck Schumer in the new session is going to be able to deliver the money. But somebody has to wake up the mayor and say, the stimulus money is over. There's no more money. They can't print any more money out of the Federal Reserve. It's over. We have a $31 trillion debt. There's no more money coming from the feds. He's living on borrowed time. Now, he can afford his $5,000 customized suits because somebody's paying for them every day. But that's not the way our bills get paid in New York City other than if the taxpayers pay it. So, Teddy, that means every hardworking man and woman who lives or has a place of business or works in New York City has to pay now up to a billion dollars to take care of these illegals for the year. Wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Let's go to Deborah in Bay Ridge. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Deborah. Oh, good morning, Curtis. God bless you. Um, you know, uh, Chuck, Chuck Schumer is the best reason for term limits that I could possibly think of. And I want to say that before the election, it disturbed me a lot. I hardly heard anything that he was running for re-election. It's almost like it was taken for granted that we would all pass him through. That, that you know, I just cannot stand that sense of entitlement. And uh, that's You know, Deborah, Deborah, you're so right. We had a great Republican conservative candidate, African-American from Yonkers, uh, I believe up from the Nodine Hill area, Joe Pinion, used to work at Newsmax. He left his job. He didn't have any income running all over the state, running against Chuck Schumer, who was doing everything to box him out. He had one debate, one debate only. At least Chuck Schumer allowed for one debate. Uh, Tish James, our attorney general, all she wants to do is sue anything Trump. Wouldn't even, wouldn't even uh, debate Henry at least one time. But, uh, Deborah, it's unfortunate because the media assisted Chuck Schumer in that by boxing out Joe Pinion, who was a great candidate who should have been heard and might well have been the choice of the electorate who had decided enough, Chuck, it's time for term limits. And by the way, Deborah, it's not just on one side of the aisle. Mitch McConnell is the other poster child for term limits, and we can keep going right on down the list and right on down the list. Let's go to Jim, who's calling from Milford, Pennsylvania, not far from where my mother-in-law lives now. Uh, Your turn to be heard in WABC, Jim. Good morning, Curtis. How are you today? Oh, not good. The city is a hot mess, and if my if our city is not good, I'm not good. That's uh, okay. We'll get over it. I have two points, if I may. Um, one is I've been watching a lot of conservative uh, channels, TV, and radio, and nobody's speaking about the protests that are going on in Brazil. I just want to know uh, uh, why is that. And the second point is with Schmuck Schumer, who's saying to bring all these illegals in, but he's behind abortion. Uh, how is 
uh, hypocritical is that? Well, that's <laughs> boy, that's a very good point. That second point about Chuck Schumer being pro-choice. Uh, you're right. If you wanted more of a population, the population that is eliminated because of abortion more so than any other racial or ethnic group in the United States are African-Americans. I happen to be pro-choice myself, but that's an excellent point. Uh, now, I think he's referring to the demonstrations in Brazil in the aftermath of the election there where Lulu has won. He's back. He's a left-winger versus the right-winger who is the Donald Trump uh, I have Guardian Angels in Rio de Janeiro, so I've been following that. What I prefer to talk about when it comes to Brazil is the recent group of illegals that came into America. Let me trace it for you. They came in from Senegal. I've been to Senegal, Dhaka. They speak French uh, as a secondary language, and then they have the tribal languages. They do not have political insurrection in Senegal. Now, I'm sure there are some people from Senegal who would want to seek Asylum here in America, like if they were from the Sudan, which is very oppressive, especially against uh, Christians in the South. But I don't know of a lot of cases. So we had a group of men in Senegal who went to Brazil to work because there's a lot of work in Brazil. A lot of the Brazilians don't want to do the work. It's like Americans. They don't want to do the work. You ask my three sons, right? Anthony, who's 18, Carter, who's 13, Hunter, who's 11. Hey, could you put your Xbox down and go out and maybe do a little work? Are you kidding? It ain't going to happen in this generation or the future generation. So all these guys are in Senegal. They're working. They're making good money. They're going to go back to Dhaka and Senegal. And then all of a sudden, they see on Brazilian TV... The mayor, Eric Adams, is inviting illegals to New York. He's putting them up in hotels, the Milford Plaza. He's putting them up in 52 other no-tell motels, Holiday Inn Expresses. He's erecting the tents. So the guys from Senegal, they, they asked the guy who brought him over because he got paid money to bring over a whole work crew. That's how it happens in most of the world. He says, we want to go to New York. He says, okay, let me, let me reach out to Catholic Charities. Catholic Charities, which scams our tax dollars. And so we paid for these men from Senegal to be flown to Texas, where they then jumped on buses. Thank you, Catholic Charities, for paying the bus fare. Came to New York. They hadn't even applied for asylum. Didn't even say they needed asylum. And they were the ones who were in the tent on Randall's Island before all of a sudden they decided to shut it down. There were like 200 men, single, able-bodied men from Senegal. You say to yourself, why is Catholic Charities using our tax dollars to transport men from Senegal who never asked for asylum, who are simply coming to America because they can get paid more money in America to work than they can in Brazil? And, hey, they were getting paid fairly well in Brazil. It is a corrupt system. Catholic Charities is abusing the system. Cardinal Dolan is promoting it because there's a dollar for Catholic Charities and then there's a dollar to take care of the illegal aliens. Where is our tax dollars going? We want accountability from Catholic Charities that enables these illegal aliens to invade our country and then come into New York City, and we have the burden of taking care of them. A billion dollars in cost. You know the cost is going to grow. And guess who's paying for it? You, the sucker taxpayers. That's an outrage. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. 
Let's go to Catherine in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Catherine. Uh, hey, Curtis, it's Mary Catherine, but it, 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 it's okay. No, no, hold on, um, hold on a second. Let me be straight because you know what I say about people with three names. You don't have three names, do you, Mary? No. Thank no, God. Mary Catherine Thank is God. my first name. Because I say okay, never, never trust anybody with three names, but go ahead. Oh, I listen to you every day. So uh, here's my comment, uh, not really a question. I owned a business in New York City that I just sold slash closed. Uh, I had it for 18 years. You cannot hire somebody without an I-9. Now, the I-9, attached to the I-9 has to be some kind of proof. All right, social security card. You can't hire these illegal aliens in New York City because they they can't prove who they are. They will not give you appropriate uh, 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 proof with when they fill out an I-9. You can't even ask them to fill out an I-9. So my comment is, how do you expect to hire, the, the, how do you expect these people to get jobs when they can't fill out an I-9? Are we going to do away with I-9s now? No, but Catherine, you happen to be a owner-operator of a small business that's followed the rules. There are some others. They chintz on the rules. They hire them under the table, off the books. Uh, I've seen that done many, many times. Uh, Sometimes, in fact, I could take you over to 111th Street, 103rd Street in Corona, Elmhurst, and Jackson Heights, underneath the number 7 train L. There are men who are out there with uh, card tables, and they're selling fake Social Security numbers and cards. It's so easy to do of dead people, people who are now dead, and they're never checked. They're never checked. Uh, nobody has ever gone through the roles of the Social Security numbers to say, hey, these people are no longer alive. We need to, to remove them from the roles, just like we need to remove from the roles people who are registered with their board of elections who are dead or who have moved who are no longer able to vote in the area. Why are they on the rolls? It just leads potentially to people who have nefarious ideas about utilizing those names, and then all of a sudden they show up. So here's a guy named Jose who's suddenly uh, Sean Ryan. And you look at him and you say, are you from Ireland? No, 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 I'm, I'm from Venezuela. And your name is Sean Ryan? Well, isn't that what my Social Security number says? Oh, God. And it just goes on and on right in our face. We do nothing about it. Why not have guest workers? They can come in. They can work a job. Then if they prove to be good workers who are law-abiding, they haven't broken the law while they're here, then they begin the process of possibly getting a green card, becoming citizens. In fact, to their credit, those who actually opt, to not just have a green card, but go on to become full, naturalized citizens. The test to become a citizen is more difficult than any history test, civics test, you're going to get in our public school system, private school system, chartered school system, parochial school system. The men and women who take those tests to become citizens know more about our history, know more about our civics than born and raised Americans. And we started off this segment... We played uh, the song from West Side Story. How ironic. The entire musical and then movie was created by very progressive liberal Democrats, Leonard Bernstein and company. And they had crafted the words that applied to Puerto Ricans who are American by birth. You couldn't make a song like that nowadays. And that was made back in the 1960s. 
by Democrat liberal progressives. In fact, some would say socialists like Leonard Bernstein. Radio 77 WABC. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. See, I gas you up, ladies and gentlemen. I conflate the subject matter with music like nobody else here can at WABC. You got that, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snardley? You're on the JV when it comes to that. But the reason I'm playing this song is I got to give a shout-out to a guy that I've crossed swords with uh, recently. He is the minority leader of the city council of the Republicans, Joe Borelli, from the South Shore, Staten Island, he has an email today that really says it all. I give him big props. It says, Borelli, New York. It's Black Friday, but New York City is still in the red thanks to Biden's border crisis. And he gets specific in what he says. Nearly 26,000 migrants have flooded New York City shelter systems since the spring and will cost about a billion dollars a year to provide them with shelter, education, health care, and legal aid, according to city estimates. That figure will blow a hole in next year's budget, which is already facing multi-billion dollar deficits due to lower revenues and inflationary expenses. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, For this, I give you props, Joe Borelli. Although I have crossed swords with him of late, we'll bury the hatchet on this one. This is a good one. This is a good one. Let's go, if we can, to Anthony in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Anthony. You know, Curtis, did I hear you correctly that Schmucky Schumer is, is, is getting mad at us American men for not having enough children? No, let me let me bifurcate that. He's mad that not enough American women are fertile, not enough Americans men's sperm count can actually procreate. And so because of that, he's saying, shame, shame on all of you, Anthony. So that's why we need illegal aliens. Well, you know what I'd like to tell that bum? I'd like to tell him, you see, yeah, first of all, I, tr- I choose not to procreate because I have a severe mental illness that keeps me from doing what I love, working on cars, okay? I don't want to bring another life into this world to have to be on disability. So I'd like to show that in his face. Well, not only that, Anthony, he's such a sanctimonious hypocrite. He will show up at a global warming climate change conference And he will say the world is too overpopulated. There are 8 billion people now on Mother Earth. And we don't have the resources to be able to take care of them. We've got to do population control, which means birth control, other measures. And then all of a sudden he's saying the reason we need illegal aliens flooding into our country, invading our country, is because men's sperm count is not potent enough to fertilize eggs, and too many women are not able to get pregnant, are not able because they're not fertile enough, their eggs are not able to, oh, you know, even the Petri dish, I, you know, do I have to explain everything? And they, what, they, what a schmuck, what a putz, what a schmendrick, what a pisher. 
And nobody called him out on that. You would think the left wing of the Democratic Party, right, AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America and the Justice Warriors, they would say, wait a second. We've got to exhibit population control like the Red Chinese did, although they seem to have relaxed it now, because they want more people, too. Why do you want more people if you can't even handle the people that are here on Mother Earth? Eight billion people on Mother Earth, and the population keeps growing and growing and growing. You know what? Maybe someone needs to confront the schmuck, the putz, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, and say... Maybe you and Clarence Thomas agree on this. Let's ban marital contraceptives. Right, Chuck? Like condoms, Jimmy Caps, so that we can have more kids, unwanted kids. You know, kids out of wedlock. Just anything to increase the population. And not anybody at that press conference challenged him. They never do. Every Sunday afternoon, he has his weekly press conference about things of no consequence. And the press corps, they're like seals. More, Chuck. More. More. Thank you for giving us something to run on the Sunday evening news and to print in the newspapers on Monday. Fourth estate, you are a disgraziata. You are a shanda by giving Chuck Schumer a pass. What a stupid thing to say. And you didn't even hold him accountable. But then again, do they ever hold the schmuck to punch Chuck E. Cheese Schumer accountable? Up next... Oh, you heard it all morning long from Sid Rosenberg. What I did on Wednesday before 5 o'clock that will rock Eric Adams' swagger man's world. Talk Radio 77, WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. As we continue on with our live and local programming, which has contributed to making us the number one news talk station in the nation, and it's what we have to do holiday after holiday to stay number one, having uh, been in talk radio 35 years, most of it here at WABC, where the acronym, especially on the weekends, is always Broadcasting Curtis. I can only tell you as I uh, substitute for... Probably the hardest working guy in uh, talk TV on Fox News Channel and in radio. He's normally heard here from 10 to 12, Brian Kilmeade. I would say he's not a slacker. He's not a deadbeat. He's not somebody who takes time off. Uh Uh-uh. All you got to do is turn Fox News Channel on. It's uh, a real Brian Kilmeade. But I've been fortunate both yesterday and today to fill the void. And it's probably with stories that normally Brian Kilmeade could not cover because he does a nationally syndicated show, so he's responsible to so many other affiliates across America. I believe in live and local radio because that's what is so desperately needed here in New York City. You can have both. You can have the nationally syndicated shows as we have with Brian Kilmeade, 10 to 12, and then obviously Mark Levin at night 6 to 9, but also... We have a whole host of live and local programs that other talk radio stations across America say, how the hell are you able to do that? 
live and local, on the weekends. They all have infomercials or best of, worst of. Or they have no programming at all. They've been gutted, almost down to a skeletal figure. And thanks to our owners and operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, our parent company, Red Apple Media, they have kept this thing of ours alive and actually took us, resurrected us from the graveyard and propelled us into being the number one news talk station in the nation again. Because so many of the figures you hear on WABC, like Mike Kumbarichich, Rudy Giuliani, three to four, Monday through Fridays, and then an additional hour on Sundays, 10 to 11, with Dr. Maria, before you hear Judge Janine Pirro, and boy, she's a firecracker. But Rudy's always making news. So he makes news, he talks about the news, and he has personal experiences oftentimes in the subject matter that he's discussing on his one-hour radio program. Likewise, if you know Curtis Lee, if you followed me through my 68 years, at least half of it has been spent making the news. Sometimes it's good, it's bad, it's ugly. Uh, knowing where everyone's bones are buried, nobody knows more about New York City than me. And yes, many times being part of the very news we're talking about. Today is one of those days. And you got a little bit of the backstory from Sid Rosenberg. Great talk show host in the morning, 6 to 10. He is the ratings leader. He is the sales leader. He has lapped the competition uh, in the morning in the tri-state area and lapped all of us. Although I've edged my way up ever since returning from the mayoral campaign where Eric Adams beat me fair and square. And then within a year, I passed the Mamaluke night, the worst side of the other side of midnight, Frank Morano. He was always bragging, I'm the ratings leader. Hey, let me tell you. <laughs> You keep talking and taking days off, you're not going to be a ratings leader anymore. And I passed him. And then Bill O'Reilly was, uh, who's this guy? I hope he's not on today, 12 to 12.15, when I'm giving a 15-minute breather that I don't need. This Mike Slater guy, you know, does a podcast. Hey, my freaking plumber and dentist do podcasts. Does that mean you get a place at WABC? No. And I just passed Bill O'Reilly. And I'm coming at Sid Rosenberg, although it may take me two years to catch him. And this story caught Sid Rosenberg and a lot of you by surprise. The lead story in today's New York Post. First, it's actually side by side. It's an interesting story. Eric Adams' uh, son works for Jay-Z, I think, in filming as part of his uh, billion-dollar all-entertainment company. He's in Albania He's actually competing in the program in Albania, which is sort of their version. What, what is that, the version of? The Albanian version of American Idol. He does rap. Come on. Where, where's Kevin Droch, right? He's a Caucasian persuasion. He is the hip-hop guy. He's the rap guy. Kevin Droch, you have a responsibility over the weekend because I'll be doing like 48 hours around the clock. I need the rap of Mayor Adams' son, who is competing at the highest level of the Albanian version of American Idol. I looked at some of the words. They were a little racy. But maybe he's a good rapper. I can, give, I can finally give an Adams some props, or I can diss him and dismiss him. You know, either I do it like Dick Clark's American Bandstand, pick it or pan it, or Don Cornelius' soul. Train, Kevin, you better come up with that because if this guy, 
By the way, uh, I'll bet you if I call my friends up in Morris Park, the Albanian bad boys, and up in the neck, drugs neck, they're tough guys. The Italians are afraid of them, the Italian gangsters. They'll know if Mayor Adams' son is a good rapper because apparently he is in the finals of the Albanian version of American Idol. So I hope he's a good rapper because we're going to play it on the airwaves sometime this weekend if Kevin Josh can scrape the barnacles off his backside and discover his hip-hop and rap roots. Do you think as a result of nepotism he'll have a place in the hip-hop museum in the South Bronx that we, the taxpayers, are subsidizing to the tune of $5.5 million because Eric Adams wants to be called the hip-hop mayor? By the way, I digress, but... How come you have a nonprofit, a 501c3, uh, for a hip-hop museum in the South Bronx, and the people who have made a lot of money doing rap, like who's made more than Jay-Z, right? He's a billionaire. Uh, Dr. Dre, a billionaire. Uh, Puff Daddy, a bill- soon to be a billionaire as he gets now these licenses to sell the recreational use of marijuana. And Nas, who just had his mansion in L.A., bum rush, the home invasion, but he's worth millions and I'm looking at the 990s. You know, if you give more than $25,000 to a 501c3 company, you have to have it listed. I don't see anything from JC, Nas, nothing from P. Diddy, nothing from Dr. Dre, which would suggest to me that whoever's the CEO of the nonprofit, the hip hop museum in the South Bronx, the rappers don't trust. And if the rappers don't trust them, why are we the sucker taxpayers giving them millions of dollars just so that Eric Adams, the swagger man, can be anointed the hip-hop mayor? You know, he's in a midlife crisis. He really is. He was at City Hall with all the AARP rappers, you know, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. There was the Sugar Hill Gang. There were guys in wheelchairs, guys with canes, guys who can no longer breathe because they were snorting up too much cocaine in the 80s. They were all there cheering on the hip-hop mayor as he was giving out checks to the hip-hop museum. Why are we subsidizing that? Inquiring minds want to know. And how come none of the really big rappers who have done quite well for themselves, I mean Jay-Z in particular, he did a rap record about shooting his brother. In the projects in Marcy Avenue, right? Shooting his brother! And it went platinum. And then you know the rest of the story. Anyway, I digress. But let's talk about the story of the day that perplexed, that flummoxed our own Sid Rosenberg. He thought that we were on our way to having a sit-down, as he said. If you can find that cut, please. That cut was uh, Sid Rosenberg discussing how... We were going to have a sit-down on December 12th. Sid Rosenberg on his show, I believe it was uh, Wednesday, before the Thanksgiving Day holiday. I joined him in the 740 hour, and he swore that he would have a sit-down with me, Rudy Giuliani, Michael Maricic, Eric Adams, the mayor, and Sid Rosenberg. I'm uh, December on your back. December 14th as we go to break. Write that date down. December 14th. Okay. You know what that is? Uh, what? That's the night that Rudy, Mayor Adams, Sidney, and Curtis. You, Curtis. Oh. Go for dinner. Oh, very good. And then I'll have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> now, that's December 14th. You see, I missed it by two days. Let me tell you what happened in the interim. That was at 7.40 in the morning on Sid Rosenberg's number one rated 
uh, talk uh, program in the tri-state area. Then at approximately 7 o'clock, I received a call from Todd Shapiro, who is the Swifty Lazar of all the publicists. He's the very best in the city of New York. He's connected. He knows everybody. Uh, He's done favors for me. He's done favors for everybody. We can never pay him back. But I pick up the phone, and he goes, Curtis, guess who I'm with? And so it's like playing charades with Todd Shapiro. He always does this, uh, making guesses. And he goes, I got Eric Adams here. And so he puts Eric Adams on the phone. This is about 7 o'clock at night. And Eric Adams says to me, the mayor, he goes, oh, my old friend, my old warrior friend, you've been doing this over 40 years. And I said, yeah, you recognize that now, huh? And then all of a sudden he steps away because his messenger is Todd Shapiro who says, uh, he wants to have a dinner with you. He wants to set up a dinner. So you see, he's already coordinating this with Sid for December 14th. So it would be Rudy, me, Sid, and Mayor Eric Adams. So Todd Shapiro was like putting the crazy glue in to make sure that I understood that the mayor was on board with this. Little did Todd Shapiro understand that a half hour before I got a call uh, from somebody who will remain nameless, representing Frank Carone, his chief of staff, the mayor's chief of staff, who will be leaving on January 1st. And he said, you know, Frank Carone really wants to have a sit-down with you, wants to take you out to a restaurant. I'm saying, ah, how come all of a sudden I'm so popular with Eric Adams and with his chief of staff, Frank Carone? Because I had just finished delivering documents to the Department of Investigation of the City of New York before 5 o'clock, the end of the business day, to the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, to the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District, which is in Manhattan, and the U.S. Attorney of the Eastern District, which is in Brooklyn. And you better believe that somebody there dropped dime on me and said, man, you better cut Curtis Lee off at the pass because he's, he's ready to practice a martial art that is practiced by every lawyer in New York City. It's not Goju, it's not Kung Fu, it's I Sue. I Sue. This is what lawyers live to do. I Sue. So let me give you the updates on the number one story in the city of New York this morning. The exclusive in the New York Post. Apparently they have acquired some of the paperwork that I worked so hard to hand deliver and make sure time stamped. You know, they said, Curtis, you know, it's the end of the day. I want it time stamped. I don't want it said that, oh, I delivered it and it got lost. The guy was delivering coffee and, you know, he didn't get it. I want it time stamped. And if you're insistent enough, they'll do it just to get rid of you. So here it is. I delivered all these documents to the various departments that I described. And I want them to investigate Mayor Eric Adams' dealings with convicted felons and his hiring of cronies with checkered pass or questionable qualifications for top government posts, and I list them all. And I list the latest one, which is the best. (laughs) It was the front page of the New York Post uh, on Wednesday. Friends with benefits. You see a picture of Lisa White, a very engaging, very good-looking African-American woman. I'd say she's middle-aged. Looks like she's a professional of some type, and I never heard of her before. And it's side-by-side, the picture is, with Eric Adams. Apparently, at one time, they had shacked up from 2013 to 2017. Not a problem. Look, 
if you had to count up the number of people that I've been uh, accused or actually shacked, uh, shacked up with, man, you'd run out of Scott tissue paper. It'd be 500 tissue papers long, right? It happens. Ever since the age of Aquarius, ever since Hippy Dippies, uh, the Summer of Love, ever since uh, Woodstock, ever since uh, <laughs> Hate Ashbury, right? It's what people do. They shack up, they make up, they break up. Apparently, Eric Adams... This is his story. That's why he's such an enigma instead of just admitting, yes, we had a relationship. We shared an apartment together in the Jackie Robinson homes. It's like a co-op there in what used to be Ebbets Field in Crown Heights. It's right before you're on Empire Boulevard. You see it on your right, right before you hit Prospect Park. It's a great place to be. He claims that he rented a room in the apartment of Lisa White. Now, at that time, she was a supervisor for 911 operators, making it about $58,000 a year. Uh, They broke up in 2017. At that point, Eric Adams was already borough president in Brooklyn, and he was renting a room in an apartment. Why not just say, yeah, we had a relationship? Just a minute. But no, he can't do that. God forbid he tell the truth. And you see, when you lie and you lie and you lie, and you're a perpetual liar, you forget the last lie you told. Now he's telling people, well, you know, before I became borough president, I was a white shirt, a captain in the police department. There were threats against me, which is true. So that's why I had to live in that apartment of Lisa White, uh, who was in the uh, Jackie Robinson homes. Nobody believes that. The reason why it's important isn't that we're getting into the business of Eric Adams. That's his private business. But he decided to make her a deputy police commissioner. With a salary of $241,000 a year, she had already retired on a pension of 30000 And she has absolutely no background whatsoever to be a deputy commissioner in the police department. So it's like, okay, I'm hooking up my former girlfriend with a high-paying job. Remember like he tried to do it with his brother Bernard, who was parking cars at Virginia Commonwealth University, And then all of a sudden, Eric Adams said, no, no, I can't leave my security in the hands of a police intel detail and the people who are professionally trained to do it. I need my brother Bernard. I'm going to make him a deputy mayor in my uh, city hall office, a deputy mayor at $242,000 a year. And then all of a sudden, the Department of Investigation, other agencies said you can't do that. And so now he gets a dollar. Yeah, right. He gets a dollar. He probably is... uh, is uh, supervising uh, on public safety contracts, friends of Eric Adams, and making some money on the side because obviously he has to have an income other than his pension. The point is, Eric Adams eventually said, the reason why I need Bernard, my brother, is because of the threats of white supremacists. And I said, hold on, the only white supremacists that might exist in New York City A guy's roaming up and down the aisles of Bed Bath & Beyond right there at Columbus Circle because they're having a white sheet sale. Absolutely nonsense. And he's done this over and over and over, and somebody's got to call him out. So now you know, as Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story that had Sid Rosenberg spinning like a top this morning. Now he insists that the meet is still on December 14th. But should I come wired up as a Christmas tree for one of the federal agencies? What do you think? U.S. Attorney for the Southern District or U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District? Pick your poison, Eric. 
Talk Radio 77 WABC. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I have one thing to say. You better work. Three snaps up. Is this Ron Paul? Is this Rand Paul? Is this RuPaul? Are they related at all? This is drag strip. Oh, yeah, drag race, drag strip, whatever you want to call it. It is the march of the very thing that so many people are fearful of. Drag queens reading to children in libraries or in schools. And I want to remind you, having seen the... um, Tom Turkey uh, Parade yesterday, the um, Macy's Herald Thanksgiving Day Parade. You know, the Milton Burrow was in one of the original floats, dressed as a woman. Milton Burrow, right, Uncle Milton? One of the first shows ever to appear on television. And Uncle Milty appeared in dress, in drag, for every show. And everybody was cracking up, laughing. Kids were watching, adults were watching, grandparents were watching. Oh, that's just Uncle Milty. It's a shtick. No, nobody could be wearing a dress that much and then not being part of their uh, gender identification or sexuality. He always swore that he wasn't a transsexual, a transgender, a transvestite. But I don't believe that. Every show... Uncle Milty, the number one TV program in America. When a lot of people didn't have televisions, they would go over to their friend's house who had just gotten a brand new TV to watch Uncle Milty in drag. So everybody relax about drag queens, right? Relax. Look at how many movies guys have dressed up like women. It's almost a rite of passage in Hollywood, right? You got to do a, a part in some movie where you dress like a woman. Uh, Stallone, right, Wesley Snipes. Need I go through the macho, maniacal guys? By the way, I mentioned Wesley Snipes. They got his picture up in the uh, Monroe houses in the South Bronx. That's where Bernard McGurk grew up, Uh, a real minority there, a white Irish guy who survived against all odds in the heart of the South Bronx. It is one of my missions here to make sure they put a plaque up in honor of Bernard McGurk, not Wesley Snipes, although he was a great actor, right? New Jack City, remember Wesley Snipes, huh? But he owed the IRS, like, what, $38 trillion? A deadbeat. But you caused me to digress here. Let's call it what it is. The freaks come out at night. Now you know why so many parents do not trust the fashionista industry with the images that are projected to children. This uh, fashion house called Balenciaga. Must be a northern Italy thing. You know, my background is southern Italian. You know, Bade's uh, Andrea near the Adriatic Sea. It's probably up in Milan, one of the fashion houses. They had an ad featuring children holding teddy bears dressed in bondage-style harnesses. S&M, sadomasochistic garb. Little kids holding up teddy bears who might as well have had the ball gag, the whip and chain, 
you know, who uh, were ready to perform as dominatrixes. How the hell did they explain that? And you know who was tagging it and then passing it on to all of their people that they influence? Bella Hadid. Oh, Bella, 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 Bella. You're not Bella. You're brutal for that. And, of course, baby got back King Kardashian, who had to pay a fine for $1.3 million for trying to influence her millions of followers to buy the scam of the century Bitcoin from the Bitcoin bandits, FTX, from uh, the blockchain criminals, and uh, from the cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers. No, 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 it wasn't FTX. It was another one of those rip-off joints, right? (laughs) And they were promoting this. And you wonder why parents and grandparents are so concerned about the images that are being thrust on their children and grandchildren. Mommy, can I have that teddy bear? That, that, you know, look, they're, they're holding that. What is that? That that uh, Balenciaga, the teddy bears dressed in the S&M garb. Can I have that for Christmas under the Christmas tree? When I sit on Santa's lap at Macy's in Herald Square, when the drunk Santa asks me, what do I want for Christmas? I'll tell him, yeah, I want that S&M teddy bear dressed in full bondage-style harness from Balenciaga. Sick, they're sicolas. They're freaks. Did they apologize? No, they just instantly removed it. Now, who do you think is responsible for that? One person? Are you crazy? Before any of these ads get put up, they get filtered through dozens and dozens of the creative people in the fashionista house, and they're all into that crap. So they want to introduce it to a new generation. Mommy, how do you like my bondage bear? I want to be a dominatrix when I grow up, just like dominatrix bear. Oh, God. Our number is one 800 Let's go, if we can, uh, to um, Mark, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mark. Good morning, Curtis. How are you? Uh, uh, just briefly about this Adams meeting. Um, I, mean, I believe he's got Sid a little bs he was on the job during the Giuliani administration and saw all the policies that Giuliani enacted to make the city safer. He was against them then. He's against them now. And as far as the amount of arrests he made, he, he filed more lawsuits against the city than he actually made actual arrests. Well, let me, give you, let, me, let me give you just what was said yesterday in his presence, and he did not contradict it, even though he spoke after Alslam Shady Sharpton at the National Action Network uh, before they started giving out the uh, turkey, the uh, mashed potatoes, and gravy to everybody that was there to get a good meal. So Alslam Shady Sharpton comes to the microphone. Eric Adams is sitting at his side, smiling like the cat that swallowed Tweety Bird. And uh, out some shady Sharpton and says, we have to support this man because those latte-sipping liberals are attacking him because he wants to go after crooks and cops. And I say, cops? And then out some shady Sharpton said, yeah, our community needs to be protected from crooks and cops, and Eric Adams is going to do that. Now, Mark, what the hell did the word cops have to do with a description about crooks? I, I don't know. I wish I had an answer. I know the morale. I have many family members on the job. The morale is down because they don't have qualified immunity. They still don't have a contract that's coming up on four or five years. 
The vaccine mandate is not only hurting hundreds of cops, detectives, firemen, sanitation workers, uh, Rikers Island guards inmates. He's doing everything to hurt these people. He's not doing anything to bring them back. No doubt. No doubt, Mark. But let's cut to the chase of what happened last night. It was incumbent upon the mayor, Eric Adams, after Al Slim Shady Sharpton said that at the bully pulpit to rise up and and turn him. Obviously, he doesn't want to disrespect uh, Al Slim Shady Sharpton in the House of Hate, the NAN. But he could have said, you know, Reverend, I'm here to protect people from crooks, not cops. Crooks, not cops. By nodding his head and smiling, he was in complete agreement. You can't have it both ways, Eric. You're either going to go after crooks or you can continue to put handcuffs on cops because he promoted the concept of qualified immunity that Mark was speaking about. A lot of people don't know what qualified immunity is because it's a word that does, it's not self-descriptive. Qualified immunity is what every civil servant has so that if somebody feels that they were done wrong by that person who was employed by government, they could sue. But you can't sue the individual. So you can't sue the judge. You can't sue the district attorney. You can't sue the mayor. You can't sue the police commissioner. But now you have the right to sue a police officer. So let's say uh, you were the object of a stop and frisk and you didn't like the way the stop and frisk was done. You can now personally sue that police officer because they've been stripped of qualified immunity. The person who authored that bill that passed through the state legislature and the state Senate, where there is a a supermajority of uh, liberal Democrats, is Alessandria Biagi. What a disgraziata. This is the granddaughter of the most decorated police officer ever to serve in the NYPD. I think he had about 28 shootouts with thugs and mobsters. The former congressman, Mario Biagi, he's got to be turning in his grave. He's got to be turning in his grave. But for the mayor yesterday, while the cameras were on him, not to correct Al Sharp, say, look, we agree on many things, Al, and you're my reverend, but we don't agree on this. This is the equivalent of what Barack Obama did for 10 years when he was in the church of Reverend Wright in the south side of Chicago with Michelle, and he would go most Sundays when he was in town. And Reverend Wright was up there at the bully pulpit screaming about ice people, that's us, the crackers. Uh, Sun people, that's the African-Americans. And how Jews controlled the slave trade. And uh, this was a ripoff from Dr. Leonard Jeffries. Aha, nobody is asking. Hakeem Jeffries, congressman, soon to become the leader of the Democrats in the House and maybe in the future speaker if they get back in the majority. Hakeem. Your uncle, who took you on pilgrimages to Egypt and filled your mind with this poison about sun people being African-Americans, ice people being those crackers, and Jews controlling the slave trade, how come you never condemned him? Do you think that maybe there ought to be a collective group of reporters in the Fourth Estate that ask him that question before he goes through a coronation and gets anointed? the minority leader of the Democrats in the upcoming House of Representatives, and maybe in the future if the Democrats take back the House, number three in ascension, the Speaker of the House. I have one thing to say. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... 
Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. You know, hearing Larry Kudlow yesterday hosting for Sid Rosenberg, who was at home with his family enjoying his Thanksgiving in the Rockaways, having capon. Because, you know, in a Jewish household, the Jewish man is like a castrated rooster. The female rules the roost. That's why Jewish guys die earlier than their wives. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I had a little experience like that. And I said, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Now I know why they say that. But anyway, so he had uh, Capon, which was castrated rooster, and he came back all puffed up and macho. But yesterday, substituting for him was our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, and Dominic Carter to keep the strain of live and local programming going all day long on Thanksgiving. Nobody else had that. Nobody. That's why we're number one, second to none. And he had each of the WABC talk show hosts and hostesses calling in. I think the only one who missed the cue was Dick Morris. Everybody else made their cue. I called in from uh, the parade route. It hadn't yet started at about 6.36 in the morning, and I was describing all of the out-of-towners who were coming in, all the bands, the high school bands. Wow, this was New York. It was like Marlo Thomas, remember? She was in New York. Oh, this is New York. Uh, I didn't want to bust their bubble, so I didn't want to talk politics, didn't want to talk crime, didn't want to talk any of that to them. I wanted to welcome them to our city because this was their first time visit. And then I believe the last WABC personality who's on Saturdays from 10 to 1, the top ratings on Saturdays is Larry Kudlow, former economic uh, advisor to President Donald Trump, and obviously a uh, tremendous TV personality, first at CNBC and now at Fox Business and Fox. And he said, you know where I'm going today? I'm going to my AA meeting. I go every day to make sure I don't fall off the wagon. A lot of people don't realize that they've had problems. Larry Kudlow had severe problems with booze and drugs. I mean, Sid Rosenberg has been very open about that. How he crashed and burned many times, almost destroyed his career, his family, his legacy, and then he came back uh, from the dead. Larry Kudlow, it's even worse. I mean, we're talking hardcore dope fiend. We're talking a guy who is drunk as a skunk and then sobered up, but goes to an AA meeting every day, he said, especially on holidays. I thought that was the best message of the many messages that we gave out there to live and local radio. I followed with my wife, Nancy, who joins me Sunday nights from 11 to 12 for the Animal Welfare Hour. But every holiday, Thanksgiving and Christmas, I have a tradition now. Ever since I survived an eight-and-a-half-hour operation at Columbia Presbyterian for chronic Crohn's disease, actually... uh, uh, Margot Katsimatidis and John Katsimatidis got me in there before I was ready to kick the bucket. I owe a lot to them. But I said, you know, I know on Thanksgiving and I know on Christmas there are a lot of shut-ins. There are a lot of people who are without friends and family for whatever reasons. And their only family and their only friend is WABC. 
And I was so proud of what we did all day long yesterday. And we'll do on Christmas. And I'll do my part with my wife, Nancy, on those two occasions. She gave up going to be with her family, her mother, my mother-in-law, in Pennsylvania, in Leave it to Beaverland, just to connect with all of you. That's what we do here at WABC. We're not above you. We're not better than you. We just happen to have a microphone that's loaned to us each and every day. We're happy when we can show up the next day and the microphone is here. But you're part of our family. And we proved that all day long yesterday. And we'll prove it all day long on Christmas and New Year's, which for some people have to be some of the loneliest times, the most traumatic times in the year. Happy for some traumatic for others but no you can depend upon us the number one news talk station in the nation wabc anyway let's go to ray who's calling from new jersey your turn to be heard here at wabc ray that's curtis i I enjoy your show i listened to you earlier this morning listen uh where's all the money going from the verrazano tolls (laughs) to talk about this here congestion prices where's all this money going Well, first off, Ray, understand we have different bridges. Uh, Those bridges, uh, and it's not just the Verrazano Bridge. Uh, It's, if I remember correctly, the Throgsnake Bridge, the Whitestone Bridge, and the Triborough Bridge. I will never call it the RFK Bridge. It's the Triborough Bridge. They are run by the MTA, the money-taking agency. And they clip you for outrageous amounts of money. And now that they have what they call cashless tolling, so if you don't have the credit, right, to to get an easy pass, you know, normally you would have stayed online, burnt a lot of fuel, and then paid whatever the freight was, sometimes like $17, which is outrage. You know, it's like a fig. But if you can't qualify for easy pass, they'll take an image of your license plate, and then they'll send you a toll bill, which is mailed to the registered owner's address on file with the DMV. A lot of times the bill gets lost in the mail, Ray, and then they keep up in the VIG, and you have no idea. And then all of a sudden they call you up and they say you owe $285. And you say, for what? Well, because you don't have an easy pass. You didn't qualify, and we sent you notifications. I said, no, I never got them. And you got to pay, Ray. Well, you know what they do next? They come and take your vehicle, the very thing that you depend on to work, and they do it at the RFK Bridge, a.k.a. Triborough Bridge. It'll never be RFK to me. Whitestone and the uh, Throgsnake Bridge. I mean, it's like it's a holdup. It's like you're driving your car, and before you can cross the bridge, they put a gun to your head, and they say, your money or your life, Ray. I understand that. But the when they uh, these tolls, they were supposed to go towards the... Uh the subways and all that to help fund it. So who's accountable for this money? <laughs> Ray, you don't believe that, right? It goes into a big black hole. It's called J Street Borough Hall, headquarters for the money-taking agency. All they do is take your money, and they want more money. And they're not alone. Ray, there's the Port Authority bridges. Let me see if I remember. The George Washington Bridge, they hold you up every day. And if you have an 18-wheel tractor trailer, You better take a reverse mortgage, a payday loan to pay for that one passage over the GW Bridge. There's the Goffles Bridge. uh, There's the Bayonne Bridge. And there's the Outer Bridge Crossing. I think those are the four Port Authority bridges. And they hold you up like there's no tomorrow. Excellent question. 
Where does the money go, Port Authority, which is run by both half in the bag, Governor Murphy, and Crime Wave Kathy Holcomb, all their sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys are on the Port Authority board. Where does the money go? And naturally, with the MTA controlled by Kathy, Crime Wave Holcomb, unfortunately uh, won an election against uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin. Boy, he would have done a much better job at streamlining the MTA. And the question is, where does the money go? I don't see it in the subways. I'm in the subways every day. In fact, I see now that the weather has turned inclement, like on a day like today where there's a drizzle out. There's, there's a, it's damp. Many, many more homeless people. In fact, the one place that homeless people will migrate to because they don't want to stay in the many shelters, it's dangerous. Half the shelter residents are right out of prison. So it's Darwinian in the shelters. It's survival of the fittest. So a lot of the elderly, a lot of the infirm, those who are not all that well physically able to defend themselves will immediately migrate into the subway. And the first subway line they'll try to cop a squat in is the E-train. The E-train is the only subway line that is completely underground from its first stop, the World Trade Center, downtown Manhattan, to the last stop, Jamaica Station, where it meets up with the J. And you can hook up, if you're a passenger, on the monorail out to JFK. And there's a bathroom, a working bathroom. So the homeless people, they don't have any bathrooms available to them, so they'll ride that train. It's a moving motel, hotel, Holiday Inn Express. And I'm telling you, I counted at least in the last two days at least 14 homeless people on that E-train. It's starting to reverse. It's starting to reverse. Let's go to Rick in Elmwood Park. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rick. Yeah, Curtis, I called to tell you they're going to blame the immigrants on global warming. They're going and to... I also wanted to give you hold, one oh, Hold on, hold on. They're going to blame the immigrants for global warming? How is that? On, on global warming. Oh, on global warming. Well, they already are. They're claiming that there are parts... Uh, of the world near the equator, where obviously it's hotter than it is uh, in other parts of uh, the world, that because the temperatures are increasing, ocean levels are increasing, uh, there are more storms, there are more uh, hurricanes, there is more inclement weather, that it is forcing a lot of those third world persons, uh, they can no longer earn a living or feed themselves uh, in the agrarian world, so that that's one of the reasons that they're moving north where obviously the weather is cooler and they have an opportunity to get a job, earn some income, and feed their families. You're, you're absolutely right about that, Rick. Those are false facts, though, Curtis. We just had a hurricane drought from 2005 to 2017. That means um, no Category 3 or stronger hurricanes making landfall in America. And the record, the last record was set back in 1860 to 1869. So hurricanes are getting left. Well, Rick, you keep thinking that, Butch, as, uh, who was it, Paul Newman said uh, to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, or was it reverse? You keep thinking that, Butch, Rick. You keep thinking that, Butch, Rick. I am a believer in global warming and climate change. Uh, We need to do something because ocean levels are rising, glaciers are melting, Uh, And uh, if we don't build up barriers like they have in the Netherlands, we're going to be in double trouble because we're right on the the lip of the ocean. We already got clobbered by Superstorm Sandy, what, 10 years ago? We're going to get hit again. 
And it's going to have a devastating impact because we're not prepared for the next one. The billions of dollars that FEMA gave us to build the seawalls. You see any seawalls? They're just now putting mortar and brick in place. Ten years later, along the south shore of Staten Island and along the lower battery of Manhattan on the west side and the east side. Ten years later, the money has just been collecting interest in the bank and nothing was done in the interim. Yeah, a few modifications, put in a few groins out in the Rockaways, a few dunes, a few Gettys. Actually, as much as I criticize them, Shamu, El Jefe Chris Christie, when he was governor after embracing Barack Obama, which definitely cost Mitt Romney the election, which was neck and neck before that, before Superstorm Hand Sandy hit, he did a lot of renewal of the ocean uh, barriers against the wishes of a lot of the homeowners on the Jersey Shore from Wildwood to Point Pleasant who didn't want dunes blocking their view. But El Jefe, Shamu, Chris Christie, who has Orca the Whale, goes up and down the Jersey Shore, knew that that's what had to be done to avoid getting wiped out again when the big one hits, and it will hit. Talk Radio 77 WABC. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I've given you no reason. Just the silent treatment. While I've given myself the WABC audience. Your introduction to electronic dance music, even though I'm 68, soon to be 69, I'm like a whirling dervish on the dance floor when I hear this music that's associated with hipsters and millennials. But let's face it, they know nothing about nothing in many instances. I'm able to conflate the music to the subject matter we're talking about better than anybody else here at WABC. James Golden considers himself ho-ho. Oh, no, he's the music impresario, 4 to 5, Monday through Fridays, and then Saturday mornings from 7 to 10. No, he's JV. He thinks uh, he's Frankie Crocker, right, at WBLS. I knew Frankie Crocker. He's no Frankie Crocker or Vaughn Harper, who did the Quiet Storm that I used to listen to, and unfortunately, because of that music, ended up... Getting married the first time. Oh, what a mistake that was. I'll save that for another show. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. It's uh, Joey calling from Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. Hello, Curtis. Uh, I met you in the early 90s at Gino's Cafe in the Bronx. I lived in the Bronx for 40 years since I came uh, from Italy with my parents. But have a, I want to talk about Huckle. And, the, and the, what she's doing is going to make eventually New York City and the and the environs a new Pottersville. She's pushing for more casinos on Coney Island because her husband works for Delaware North. It's all connected. And where's Adams on this? Is he going to get some kickback on this? Well, Joseph, uh, it's interesting that you brought that back, uh, brought that up. There's a new wrinkle. Uh, Eric Adams uh, has said, because he has a vote on this, that he would like to accept two out of the three opportunities to get a state license to have an all-purpose casino. In New York City. What I mean by that, unlike the Racino in Aqueduct, that actually produces more revenue for the state of New York than any all uh, games casino does anywhere in America, including Las Vegas. The Racino provides 60% of their take to the state of New York. So naturally, you figure you would give it to the Malaysians who own that. 
who've done a good job, and also they build a hotel, they're building a convention area, there's lots of parking, and obviously access off the Bell Parkway. But they're going to have to bid. And then obviously you have Yonkers with its Racino. But in the city, you have Times Square, a bid is coming in in Times Square. That would be ridiculous. Then there's going to be a bid coming in from the Hudson Yards, which is like... uh, like a morgue. It's like nobody there. It's like uh, you could roll the sagebrush through there on the west side near Jacob Javits Center. And then you have Stephen Cohen, owner and operator of the New York Mets, who should be in jail for insider trading information. He wants to put up an all-purpose casino right there next to the junkyards, next to City Field. So just think, you can go in, lose all your money, like the Asians would, because they live all in that area, and they love to gamble. Work all day and gamble all night. And then you could get a used muffler right next door with the Afghan and Pakistani chop shops that are there. And you have Vito Fasella, who has appeared on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, borough president of Staten Island. He wants one for the North Shore right next to Ferry Hawk Stadium and the big mall and obviously the ferry. And, of course, this offer, which the Yankees have 25% of, uh, they want to put a... Um, a casino, all-purpose casino in Coney Island, right off the boardwalk, which would very much uh, appear to be similar to uh, how casinos were set up and operated in Atlantic City when they were given the green light many, many years ago. And you know the ups and downs of Atlantic City. It never really improved the community, but it certainly put a lot of people to work. It certainly has become an economic engine for all of New Jersey and somehow those casinos stayed alive. They, they had a real rough uh, patch there when Shamu El Jefe Chris Christie was trying to subsidize some. The moment he was out of the way, it was a laissez-faire, free economic tussle amongst those casinos and all the many. I mean, where you're calling from, Joseph, you have Foxwood, the Pequot Indians. Uh, they run uh, the tower there. They run the casino. You have casinos in nearby Massachusetts. You have casinos in Pennsylvania, if you go to Wilkes-Barre, there's the casino. You go to the Mount Airy Lodge, there's a casino. You go to Bethlehem, the old U.S. steel plant is a casino. All along the Delaware River, on the Philadelphia side, they have casinos. My God, pretty soon they'll have a casino in every neighborhood of the five boroughs of the city of New York. And watch the corruption. I mean, there was corruption in choosing the casino, the first one, in Aqueduct, AEG was whining, dining, and pocket lining a lot of the officials. Some of them should have gone to jail. And that was when my husband-in-law, now uh, Anthony, my oldest son's uh, stepfather, doing an excellent job with him, uh, David Patterson was the governor. You know, and that was just one Racino. And he almost got snagglepussed. It might have been mm, inmate David Patterson or now, what do they call him, according to Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, incarcerated person in a uh, fed camp. But he avoided that. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. To walk and screw up in face, but now we're spending enough time upstate. Shout out C74, C76, which I've been housed in before. We'll get to that momentarily. Let me give a shout out to uh, Bill O'Reilly, who finally did the right thing. 
and made sure that when he was away, he would put best of Bill O'Reilly, which is something I normally am not in favor of. But remember, he would have the substitute. What was his name? Mike Stugatz Slater or whatever the hell his name was. Oh, my God, that was painful. I would much prefer to hear best of Bill O'Reilly. Hopefully, whenever he's away, you as listeners will get 15 minutes of Bill O'Reilly. Even best of. It's ten times better than his substitute, who, again, his name, giving him a new name, Mike Stugat Slater. God, I wanted to impale myself with, with the microphone here. Anyway, onward at 1 o'clock, and the live and local programming continues. Lieutenant Colonel uh, Greg Kelly will be in. Rudy Giuliani, 3 to 4. Then, obviously, James Golden, 4 to 5. The roundtable discussion hosted by our own John Katsimatidis. Mark Levin, 6 to 9. Bill O'Reilly, 9 to 10. And it's Rita Cosby, 10 to 12. And then who's back again? Me! For the best side of the other side of midnight, 12 midnight to 6. And I take you to the break of dawn. And I'll be commenting on all the news that's breaking because there's never, you know, you hear some people in the news business say, oh, it's a slow, slow news day. There's no such thing as a slow news day. You know, maybe in Davenport, Iowa, but not in New York City. Right? I mean, we're talking about the informational capital of the world, still the epicenter of capitalism, as long as we continue to fight the onslaught from AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and her minions, the Democratic Socialists of America, and the Justice Warriors. And today, apparently, oh, God, her number one sickle fan, Tony and Lackey, Caban, the city councilwoman from Astoria, Wants to pass a law in city council that you can't fire anybody. Oh, my God. <laughs> you will not be permitted to fire anybody who works in a private business or who works for the city of New York. Hey, yeah, go bricks, deadbeat slackers. Steal from the boss, steal from the business, can't fire them. Anyway, we'll give you updates later on tonight when we take you to the break of dawn. But the reason we're playing this song which you won't hear on any other station. Although you should on Hot 97 where they promote more guns, more drugs, more drive-bys, more gangs, right? You would think this would be their theme. Since like half uh, the incarcerated persons, a.k.a. inmates, on The Rock listen to Hot 97 or Power 105, right? I mean, that, if you're a thug, you, that's what you listen to. They're hip-hop rap monsters at Power 105 or Hot 97. Anyway, I digress. The reason I'm playing this is that the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, a swagger man with no plan, spent his day Thanksgiving early at the National Action Network headquarters of Al Slim Shady Sharpton, in which he was protected from the press who wanted to ask him all kinds of questions about um, his hire of Lisa White to be the new deputy mayor uh, commissioner of police, make that deputy commissioner of police, earning $241,000 a year to do nothing. Basically a no-show job. By the way, she's already been on the job for months. How is it that the Porter State members in the press didn't know it? Uh, thank God for the city, which is uh, a newspaper that breaks so many stories, is subscriber-supported. The real actor love. I mean, it really does great journalism. They broke the story. The New York Post picked up on it. And it is the number one story in today's New York Post. You can go online and see it as I have now filed complaints with the Department of Investigation for the city of New York against the mayor, Eric Adams, 
U.S. Attorney, Southern District, Manhattan, U.S. Attorney, Eastern District, Brooklyn, and yes, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, uh, who loves to turn criminals loose. Uh, I will keep you uh, updated on that. These are complaints uh, against uh, Eric Adams' hiring of cronies, sickle fans, Tonys and lackeys, and corruptive uh, practices. But while he was at the National Action Network, Al Slim Shady Sharpton told the assembled members of the Fourth Estate that they could not ask him any questions. Because, you know, they were going to ask him about Lisa White and then about what Curtis Lee were filed against you with the federal and the city agencies. So then from there, he went out to Rikers Island which is some place he should be on a regular basis. Not to just go and have some uh, cornbread and turkey and stuffing like he did last night. Not with the general population. It's too dangerous. So the mayor went out to have a Thanksgiving dinner, not with a woman who is pregnant on Rikers Island or a woman who has a child on Rikers Island because they will take care of the children, while the woman uh, does her time or is uh, remanded to jail because she can't meet bail. But I was told I can't refer to her as a woman who is pregnant with child. I have to refer to her according to the new rules and regulations of the Correctional Department of the City of New York as a birthing person. What the hell does that mean, a birthing person? Are they suggesting... That some of the men on Rikers Island, because they do have a transgender unit, could potentially birth a child. And why was the mayor only meeting with the one woman on Rikers Island and not going into the main area of the general population of males with high levels of testosterone crashing through their cranium who control the tears? The correctional officers, will they'll tell you straight up, they do not control the tears. So Eric Adams went with his uh, commissioner of the Department of Corrections, Molina, who is worthless, who is useless, who has done absolutely nothing. In fact, they have been given a court decision that prevents, prevents us from knowing what goes on in Rikers Island. Can you believe this? A court sided with them and said, oh, yeah, the taxpayers who subsidize the rock and the Department of Corrections... Uh, have no responsibility to know what goes on, the chaos, the mayhem, the anarchy on Rikers Island. Let me see if I can cut through all these bull feathers and let you know how misspent our tax dollars are. First off, to let you know that a major problem is going to happen any moment in Rikers Island, it's set to blow. I looked at a procurement budget, an allocation for 10 sharpshooting sniper rifles. Ten sharpshooting sniper rifles that you would use in a war. You may have seen the story in the Ukraine where a Ukrainian sniper shot a Russian soldier a mile and a half away. Yeah, a sophisticated sniper rifle. Each of them are $10,000. They bought ten of them. Now, why do you think they bought ten of them for Rikers Island? Because they know that at any moment there's going to be a takeover of uh, Rikers Island by the inmates. And some of them have already made their way to the roofs and have uh, threatened the correctional officers like, you can't touch this. And it's just a matter of days, months, but it's going to happen soon. Rikers Island is going to blow and they're going to make a mad dash for the bridge that connects Rikers Island to Steinway Street in Astoria. Anyway, if you want to know what kind of guns they are, did you ever see that movie, Enemy at the Gates? 
you know, which was about the Battle of Stalingrad in World War II. It was about the life of a uh, Nazi uh, Wehrmacht sniper who was tracking down a Russian sniper, and it was a duel as tens of thousands were killed in that siege. I'm trying to remember who was in that. Uh, Judd Law, Ed Harris, Bob Hoskins. It was a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you really have to. I think it came out in 2001. Enemy at the Gates. Why the hell would you need these $10,000 sniper rifles now at Rikers Island unless you were anticipating a prison rebellion, which could happen any day? Let me give you a lay of the land. It's something that neither the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, or the ineffective, feckless, weak, um, nonproductive Department of Corrections uh, chairman, uh, Molina, is willing to tell you. Rikers Island is controlled by the gangs now. You do not have access to the tiers unless the generals, they are the leaders of each individual gang, give you access. The correctional officers are overwhelmed, the men and women there. On a regular basis, men will sexually taunt female correctional officers. They will masturbate in front of them. There is absolutely no discipline done. And they will try to sexually assault them. No discipline done whatsoever. The inmates run the asylum. So on one tier, you have the Trinitarios. That is the Dominican gang based in Washington Heights and Inwood with a division in Patterson, New Jersey. It actually started here. It didn't start in the DR. It ended up filtering back to the DR, but it started in Washington Heights. That's one strong gang. The other gang that controls the whole tier is MS-13. They're from El Salvador, They are the strongest and fastest growing gang. They have worldwide uh, membership, worldwide membership, and they are fierce. And they basically are known for taking machetes and chopping your head off. So they control one tier, and you can see them. They got the tats all over their body, up and down their necks like giraffes. Then there's their adversaries, 18th Street, which is a Mexican gang, and they control a whole tier. Then you have the predominant number of gangbangers on Rikers Island are Bloods, and they control about three tiers. The Crips, their adversaries, they all wear blue. The Bloods obviously wear red. They control one tier. And then you have elements uh, still left of the Latin Kings and the Nietas. Now, how do I know this? Because years ago, I was locked up in Rikers Island, as many of you know. Uh, Ed Koch was the mayor the first 13 years that I started the Guardian Angels I was climbing into the belly of the beast because not only was Ed Koch encouraging that we be arrested and taken off the subways, but so were the transit police union officials led by a guy named McKechnie. And they did it on a regular basis. And oftentimes I'd be shipped out to Rikers Island. They would lose my paperwork. I'd spend time in the dormitory. That's where they have 40 guys. And they generally have a female correctional officer because guys seem to be calmer with a woman correctional officer in the dormitory than they would be with a guy, uh, a a male correctional officer who they challenge. And all that correctional officer has with 40 guys in a dormitory is a body alarm. Imagine. That's it. You imagine Curtis Lee went in that uh, facility for a few days before eventually I'd be brought before a judge. You know they wanted to give me a blanket party every night. Uh, I didn't fall asleep. I always had one eye open because they were ready to bum rush me. Then I was in a normal cell. 
Oftentimes you'd have one person, but more likely two. Somebody had to be the Maytag. Then you had protective, uh, protective custody, better known as Punk City, where they would put you to protect you from the general population that wanted to kill you, or if you were a snitch. If you were a snitch, they wanted to slit your throats. And then there was the Bing. That was solitary confinement. If you were a bad, bad boy because you had hurt others, you had hurt yourself, you had hurt correctional officers, now they want to eliminate the Bing. They want to eliminate solitary confinement. There are such problems on Rikers Island. There are now only 7,500 inmates, about 6,000 housed on Rikers. There's another 1,000 that are housed on the barge that is attached to Hunts Point. The inmates run the asylum. They're building these community jails that are a waste of billions and billions of dollars that, when they're all said and done and built, Somehow, Staten Island got exempted. Figure that. Figure out what kind of a deal Bill de Blasio made with Jimmy Otto, who might end up becoming uh, the former Republican conservative borough president of Staten Island, the new chief of staff, believe it or not, for Eric Adams, because he's an Eric Adams Republican. But anyway, a deal was made. Staten Island will not have a community jail. Brooklyn will, Queens will, Bronx will, Manhattan will. And they won't even be able to house 6,000 inmates, which they have now. Now, we've been talking about the importance of Eric Adams having a sit-down with Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani knows more about public safety, law and order, zero tolerance, than anyone who has ever, who has ever walked this plane. His correctional chief, Bernard Kerrick, knows more about managing a jail. Remember, this is not a prison, this city system. It is the largest jail system in America. When Bernard Carrick was appointed head of corrections in the city of New York, there were close to 18,500 inmates, three times the number that they have now. Nowhere near the problems that they have now. If you acted up, if you were a general of one of these gangs, one of the shot callers, they looked at you, Bernard Carrick and his minions would say, hey, you a tough guy? Tell you what, we're giving you Ed Giuliani's. They give you a pair of skippies. They paint it with orange fluorescent paint, and you'd be forced to walk around with that and glow in the dark at night. You were a real poo putt. Imagine being forced to wear skippies. And you did not give conflict or beef to the correctional officers, or there was a price to pay. And if there was an insurrection, guys would grab the hats and bats, the body armor, And uh, the tactical patrol force would come in swinging and winging. And you would regret the day that you raised your hand to another inmate, a correctional officer, or any employee of the Department of Corrections. He needs to have a sit-down also with Bernard Carrick. Talk Radio 77. WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Sometimes it makes me wonder how I keep them going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep them going under. Grandmaster Flash, the Furious Five here on 45 Minutes of your lunchtime edition here at WABC where I do a rip and read and commentary. Take you to the 1 o'clock hour, and then it's Greg Kelly. And then I'm back for the other side of midnight from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning to the break of dawn. This, in my mind, is the greatest rap song ever done, The Message. Because so much of it is about what existed in the Bronx where I started the Guardian Angels in February of 1979. This classic song came out in 1982. 
And every time I hear it, it transports me in the time machine back to a time that was far worse than it is now, as bad as it is crime-wise. But we are slowly slipping into that abyss. We're, we're falling into the belly of the beast. There are crimes that are being committed now that are mind-boggling, and I'm going to go through a panoply of them just to give you an idea of what was going on while you were either away with family or friends enjoying the Thanksgiving Day holidays or you were shut into your homes alone, solo, because you had uh, no longer people available to you or you were separated uh, from them by distance and WABC becomes your friend, becomes your family, especially in family-issued times of celebration, you probably feel traumatized. Imagine some of these crime victims. So, remember the days of Ralph Cramden, the bus driver, right? I mean, classic. He drove a city bus. And if you go to the Port Authority, you'll see a statue of uh, Jackie Gleason, a.k.a. Ralph Cramden, the honeymooners, outside. So all the illegal aliens coming through, pounding the hound from Texas, they get to pass this statue and they say... Gee, who's this guy, right? I don't know. Well, a lot of people go in and out, and they have no idea that's Jackie Gleason, no idea that's Ralph Cramden. So let me give you uh, one particular situation that occurred that happens to bus drivers every day, men and women, who work the five boroughs of the city of New York. By the way, 30% of the passengers do not pay their fare on the city buses, their fare evaders. So an MTA bus driver was slapped and punched by an unhinged passenger on a Manhattan bus. He was driving the M4 bus when the man boarded near the intersection of Broadway and West 157th Street in Washington Heights about 2.30 in the afternoon. With no provocation, the, the rider slapped the driver about the face and then sat down. The bus driver and the man did not exchange any words. Years ago, in the time of Ralph Cramden, his era, all bus drivers had what they called a stick behind their seat. You acted up with the bus driver, and the bus driver was judge, jury, and executioner. He was the sheriff of the bus. I can't tell you how many times we'd go to the back, because that's where all the troublemakers went. We'd be hooting and hollering. We'd be kicking at the windows. We'd be creating a fuss. And all of a sudden, you heard, fee fi fo fro I hear nonsense taking back in the back of my bus. And he grabbed that stick and he come running back. And then all of a sudden we'd run out that back door exit. And that guy would ID us and we'd never be permitted to come on that bus again. He put his hand over the change uh, lot. Even if you had a student government organization pass and you were only going to put in a nickel, he said, no ride for you. You stay the hell off of my bus. Man, we feared the bus driver. Not in this case. The bus was still idling at the stop. This guy stands up a second time, approaches the driver, punches him in the face ten times. The attacker gets off the bus, took off on foot, northbound on Broadway towards 158th Street. Guess what? He has not been caught by the police. Of course not. This is New York City, the land of Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, and a missing in action police commissioner named Sewell. Look at this one. This is a classic. A man tried to kidnap a 10-year-old boy on a Manhattan subway train, but was thwarted when the child's quick-thinking siblings intervened. 
The boy was heading to school with his siblings when the man followed them onto a downtown number two train, leaving the 149th Street Grand Concourse Station in the heart of the South Bronx. This was at 8.15 in the morning. So this perv sits next to the boy and his brother and sister, and the train rumbles towards 34th Street Penn Station, right? Busy, busy stop, right? I mean, right in the morning? It's like 9 o'clock. He grabs the kid's legs. Get off, the man barks as he pulls the boy out of the car. This is our stop. Naturally, the brother and sister step in, and they struggle with this perv who ran off and was last seen entering Penn Station. He's still missing in action. Well, here's one where they actually caught the perv. Cops actually caught a guy. You probably saw his picture in which he sat next to a 24-year-old strap hanger female on a northbound four train, removed his pants and underwear just before 11.30 last Thursday. He got on top of the woman, put his hands on her body, and attempted to pull down her skirt. The victim, thankfully, was able to fight off the assaulter. She fled to another train. The attacker, meanwhile, ran off the train at the Bowling Green subway station right before he got on to the Staten Island Ferry, and he disappeared. He was captured. Can you imagine how this woman is traumatized? Can you imagine how many other women are reading about her plight or watched it on TV? And even though this uh, degenerate, this sex assaulter was caught, do you think that's going to make women feel more comfortable or they continue to not ride the subway in massive numbers? 40% of the office buildings are occupied on any given day of a workday. Most of the workers in office buildings are women. Most of the workforce is women. Most of the people who go to bars and restaurants are women. Most of the people who go to nightlife are women. Without women, you're not going to attract the men unless it's a bar that has men meeting men. That's about 10% of the population. So let's uh, extrapolate this. When you run a club, When you run a bar, you comp like the first 25 women because you need women in the bar or the club or you're not going to attract them in. That's why the nightlife is imperiled here in New York City because women are not safe. Had to take a swig there. I almost lost my voice. (coughs) And they're not going to take the subways and they can't afford taking Ubers and Lyfts and yellow cabs. So, Mr. Mayor, swagger man with no plan and missing in action, uh, Police Commissioner Sewell, you're a female. You should be right on top of this, understanding how important it is to make the subway safe. If women go into the subways and you got men coming up to them wanting to prove to them that they're not suffering from erectile dysfunction, pleasurizing themselves, threatening them, slicing them, cutting them, sexually assaulting them, raping them, Do you think women are going to want to ride the subway, a.m. or p.m.? The answer, no. And this is is the kicker. You have men who decided to go on a robbery spree of bodegas and uh, gasoline stations, 13 of them totally in Queens, the purpose of which was to make enough money to go to the local strip parlor so that they could actually get Brumskis and lap dances. So three of these Gavones... They run into their Nissan Maxima, they put on uh, ski masks, and they walk into bodegas, and they hold them up at gunpoint, 
Then they walk into gas stations, they hold them up at gunpoint, and they're not only taking money, they're taking rolling paper and what is currency. Diego, do you have any idea what's currency in the streets? They take all the cartons of Newport cigarettes, menthols. If you have menthols in the streets, that's like you got mad money, mad money. So they're driving around, they're robbing these places, these bodegas, these uh, gas stations, and finally some cops spot them in the blue Maxima, and they stop them right after they held up a gas station on Skillman Avenue near 39th Street in Sunnyside. And the guys, they cop. They cop to the crimes. They said, officers, we had to get to the strip club. We wanted to get Brumskis and lap dances, and we figured the best way to get money was to be stick-up kids like we were when we were teenagers. You want to bet they get released without any cash bail? I'm following this one, that's for sure. Then all of a sudden, two teens were arrested for throwing eggs and verbally harassing uh, a booker boy. This young boy was on East 18th Street near Bay Avenue in the Midwood section of Brooklyn, not far from where our own Sid Rosenberg grew up, and he had on the traditional Jewish clothing. They surrounded him, they harassed him, they pushed him, they threw eggs at him, and two of them eventually got arrested, 15 and 16. It turned out they were Pally Boys. You know what Pally Boys are? You have no idea, right, Diego? Pally Boys, Palestinian boys. And in fact, they were screaming at this Jewish guy as they gave him a beatdown, free Palestine, before then throwing the eggs at him and running away. This is what New York City has become, fear city, no matter where you go. And then, of course, everybody had their backs up, thinking that there was homophobic crimes committed against that bar, remember, in Manhattan, that had its front window busted four times. We had the picture of the guy, the video of the guy. He got arrested by the cops. They did a good job on that. Come to find out he's gay himself. He was a patron of the bar. The reason he busted the windows and did it four times was because of the way they had mistreated, apparently, a female who either worked there or was a patron there. God. Anyway, on a different note, let me take you back into the early 1990s before Rudy Giuliani was finally elected mayor of the city of New York and he gave this city a badly needed colonic. David Dinkins, the mentor to Eric Adams. Look at the similarities. David Dinkins would change his suits three times a day. In fact, his aide-de-camp, Ronnie uh, Arnie Segura, would actually carry his suit bag. Three times a day, David Dinkins would change into new customized suits. I mean, he was GQ down. And in fact, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, has said that his mentor and his role model... It's David Dinkins. Well, look at him. Look at the old pictures of David Dinkins, dapper as he was, GQ'd, customized suits down, just like his protege, Eric Adams. But I remember it for the time where I was living on the Lower East Side, right across from Tompkins Square Park, right off of Avenue A and St. Mark's Place. And I was living in this uh, tenement, uh, this rat hole, and I was doing Angels in the Morning, morning drive from 1991 and 1994 with my wife at that time, Lisa. And every morning I would head to WABC early and I would pick up the newspapers at the all-night candy store 
Ray's Candy Store on Avenue A, a tradition. It was open 24-7-365. Didn't have internet then. Couldn't go online. You had to have the hard copy. Uh, at that time, Lisa would follow me a half hour later. I'd say, hey, why don't we just jump in the cab together? She goes, I have to doll myself up. I said, this is radio. She says, I don't feel right unless I doll myself up. Oh, oofa. You do that. I'll get the newspapers. I'll start the show prep. So one of those mornings, it was April of 1992. And I was ranting and railing against John Gotti Sr., who was on trial for the very last time in downtown Brooklyn, Eastern District. Remember, he was eventually found guilty of all charges because of two factors. They had live Memorex tapes of his conversations with Sammy the Bull Gravano, his underboss, in which he was ordering that some of his members be whacked. And then, of course, the testimony by the rat of all raps, Sammy the Bull Gravano, who ate the Parmesan cheese. He ended up being shipped to Marion, triple life without parole, eventually died of throat cancer, think out in Springfield, Missouri, and went straight to hell without an asbestos suit, and I was dancing the Tarantella when I got that news. But anyway, what had happened on April of 1992 is as I was going to get the Daily News, the New York Post, the New York Times, Newsday, all the news that was fit to print that I could hold in my arms before jumping in a yellow cab. All of a sudden, I noticed there were three guys fornicating me in this car that were parked right next to Ray's candy store. Turned out, unbeknownst to me, it was the United Nations trio sent by John Gotti Jr. to tool me up because... I was commenting every morning about what had occurred in the trial the day before with John Gotti Sr., and obviously I wasn't giving a glowing tribute like my other colleagues at WABC and others in talk radio like Imus and the king of talk radio, Bob Grant. And, oh, yes, Howard Stern, who said, we don't talk about the mafia because you may be dead. Anyway, the point is I did because I grew up with these Gavones. So they jump out of this car and they tool me up with baseball bats. Kaplan, the Jew, McLaughlin, the Irishman, and Ruggiero, the Italian. They hit me like 32 times. Luckily for me, David Dinkins had imposed a curfew on Tompkins Square Park, one of the few good things he did in four years where he destroyed our city, which meant that at night, the park was locked. So I scurried over the fence as they were hitting me with the baseball bats. They broke uh, the back of my head open. I had to be stitched up at Beth Israel. They broke my arm. I scurried over to the other side. Everybody fled. They jumped in the car, popped a donut, left, and were cursing me out. There was only one guy who came to my aid. He goes by the name Ray. His name is Ramon Alvarez. He has run that candy shop there in the East Village for 50 years on Avenue A. Everyone loves Ray. In fact, Ramon Alvarez is originally from Iran and still works the overnight shift at the shop. He's 90 years old. So Con Edison said, we got an $18,000 bill here, Ray. And if you don't pay today, we're going to shut you down. Meantime, I notice simultaneously that the very rich and wealthy Zabars on the Upper West Side is being given upgrades by Con Edison to the tune of $150,000. That's tip money for Zay Bars. 
But they're going to let Ramon Alvarez lose his candy store, better known as Ray. I owe Ray. Because of him, let's face it, they might have come back for second licks. I owe my life to Ray, that 90-year-old octogenarian. And I'm going to do everything within my power to make sure that Con Edison leaves him alone. And please, if you can... You probably know who I'm talking about, Ramon Alvarez, who goes by the name Ray. 50 years right there at the candy store. Stop in. Let him know Curtis Lewa is coming to the rescue because he owes his life to Ray, the candy man who runs that candy store morning, noon, and night. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. You know, I bet you Billy Idol is probably in the soccer pitch in Qatar. And when he sees the white lines there, he goes down to the pitch and starts to sniff him, thinking they're cocaine. But he's a proud Brit, Billy Idol, and he'll probably be rooting for the U.K. against the United States today. The U.S. team sucks. They got no offense. They're going to lose to the Brits, and I hope they do. Because uh, people like Diego are trying to turn it into a international sport of consequence here in America. Forget it, Diego. Number one. Smash Mouth American football, number two baseball, number three basketball. You will never indoctrinate a whole generation. You try it in the elementary, junior high school, high school, and then all of a sudden people start playing soccer and they're not going to soccer games and focus on soccer. In order to keep soccer alive, you need the illegal aliens bum-rushing across the border between Texas and uh, Mexico, dribbling a soccer ball. But I digress here. So United States will play uh, Britain, we'll get clobbered. But the real match that everyone needs to watch is what's going to happen next Tuesday, November 29th, when the Iranians take the pitch against the USA. First off, you need to know that the Iranians, in their first match, in which they got clobbered by the Brits, refused to sing the national anthem of the Ayatollah Khomeini's in Iran. Strike one. Strike two. They actually encouraged more insurrection in the streets of Iran. Strike two. Strike three. The Ayatollahs, through the Republican Guard, have seized one of the all-star soccer players who didn't make the trip in Iran because he was injured, and they put him in the gulag, and they're probably torturing him as we speak. Now, you know... If they don't tie the United States, which has no offense, let's say nil-nil or 1-1, when they return to Iran, although, man, they ought to seek sanctuary right there in Qatar. I I don't know if Qatar will grant them that, but they better not go back to Tehran in Iran because they'll get the treatment from the Ayatollahs that years and years ago, the son of Saddam Hussein of Iraq, Uday, gave to the Iraqi national team when they returned from a qualifying match in Jordan, Amman, Jordan, against the UAE team. It was tied at the end of regulation, 
And then they had a uh, kickoff shootout. And none of the Iraqians wanted to kick the ball in the shootout because they said whoever fails to get a goal will probably be tortured by Uday, who's the head of the sports federation for his father in Iraq. So some had to do it. They basically picked straws. They lost. The UAE won the shootout. And the national team of Iraq came back to Baghdad. They came to their training facility, and who was waiting there with whips and chains and bats and sticks and rattans? It was Uday and his crew. And they beat the Iraqi national team unmercifully, right on the bottom of their feet, breaking every bone that they could in their feet, torturing them for weeks on end. Everybody knows that if you're going to represent Iran in this case, you're going to get the Uday Hussein treatment, even though that was their mortal enemy, the Iraqis, and the war they went against uh, Saddam Hussein when it was the Ayatollah Khomeini in charge. So all eyes will be focused on the United States and the Brits will lose. But then next Tuesday, if the Iranians lose or don't tie the USA, it could result in them losing their lives. 